We'd like to welcome everyone this morning. If you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning. And if you're watching us online at theantioch.com, either live or archived, we welcome you this morning into our sanctuary. We pray that you're blessed by what you see, you hear, and you feel. Amen. Praise God. The Lord is good, isn't he? Praise God. I tell you what, we'll do things a little different. You can go ahead and be seated this morning. Most of you may know this name. If you don't know the name, you may know the story. If you don't know the story, I highly recommend you take a few moments sometime over the next few days and just read a little bit because it's such a fascinating story. But you've heard the story of a woman by the name of Corey Ten Boom. You may not know the name quite well. You may know the story, The Hiding Place. She was a, a Dutch Christian that was alive during World War II, and the, uh, the part of her that made her so famous was that she was very instrumental. Her family, her father, they owned, there was a clock, clock shop in uh, the downstairs of their house, and, and um, it was during the time when the uh, Germans were rounding up all of the Jews and taking them off to concentration camps, and her family was very instrumental in... Um, hiding Jews and helping them escape. In fact, that one uh, account I read said that she helped over 800 uh, Jews escape the Nazis during World War II. And the term, the hiding place, uh, comes from the fact that uh, in the upper part of their house, um, there was the way the house was constructed, they were able to build a false wall. Um, and it looked like a normal wall, but there was actually a small panel um, in, in, in the closet. It was like a little linen closet, and the bottom was a panel, and you could pop that panel open, and you could get back in there, and you could hide people back in there. And uh, several, it's been about a year ago now, I was um, ministering out of the country, and there was a man that was there with me, uh, and he was a missionary in Amsterdam for um, many years in the Netherlands, and um, he actually ended up becoming a, a tour guide there at the Corey Tin Boone house, and he knew all kinds of amazing facts. But the story goes that eventually the Germans kind of figure out what's going on, and she gets taken off into a concentration camp. And I'm not here to go into all of that. But it's very, she's a very remarkable woman, a, an amazing Christian woman, especially in the face of all that she uh, went through. And... and uh, she made some powerful statements, and, and I found um, some of her statements. I'm going to read a couple of them. The one that I want to focus on is at the end. But listen to some of the stuff she says, because each one of these by himself, we can almost just read it and go home. But she says this. She says, God does not have problems, only plans. She said that because there was a clerical error that allowed her to leave the concentration camp she was at. And she left, and just a little, a few days later after that, all the women in that camp were put to death. And she said, God doesn't have problems, only plans. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I can, just, I can just say that right now. We can just leave. I'm going to say that again. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Faith is like a radar that sees through the fog the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. Forgiveness is an act. Now, this, when, she, when this woman says forgiveness, she's not talking about, you know, someone cut her off in traffic, okay? I mean, for this, when this woman, I mean, she, she, she has just constant stories and, and thoughts about forgiveness. This is a big thing because there was a lot of trauma and stuff she went through. And, and she made it a note to forgive, publicly forgive all those that had wronged her. And she says this, forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Now this one's great. 
There is no pit, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. It doesn't matter today how far you think you have gone down. God's love is still down on the bottom waiting for you. Now this one's great. Ready? Don't bother to give God instructions. Just report for duty. It's not my ability but my response to God's ability that counts. Now, you ready for this one? He uses our problems for his miracles. You can never learn that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Let me just say that again. That's a revelation someone needs to leave here with today. You can never learn that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you will be at rest. Hold everything in your hands lightly. Otherwise, it hurts when God pries it out of your fingers. Hallelujah. All right, you're dismissed. But the one that really struck me in reading this, the one that jumped out at me is this one. She says, there are no ifs in God's kingdom. There are no ifs in God's kingdom. So I want to preach to you today for a few moments on this subject, changing your if, changing your if. There are no ifs in God's kingdom. I saw that, that, um, that uh, phrase, and I'm not saying it's a prophetic phrase, but something struck me in that phrase, and for you Bible junkies, you'll appreciate this, is that there are seven words in that phrase. There are no ifs in God's kingdom. Seven words. If you know anything about the Bible, the n- number seven is very significant. Number. In fact, if you look throughout, let's go to Revelation. There are, seven book, there are seven churches in the book of Revelation, seven angels, seven pastors, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials, seven horns, seven kings. Do you know there were seven sayings from the cross? Jesus shed his blood seven times in seven different parts of his body. The number, of, number seven is a divine order, divine completion. Jesus said this. Actually, let's go back farther. Let's start here. Psalms 89, 34 says this. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. He hath said and shall it not, and shall not do it. He hath spoken and shall he not make it good. 2 Corinthians 1, 20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen under the glory of God. That word yea is our word yes and amen is so be it. So all the promises of God are yes and so be it. God cannot lie. God cannot change. So everything that he established in this book, he signed a contract when he put it in this book. By putting it in this book, he signed a contract that says, you now can hold me to these promises, and if I don't come through, then I'm not God. That's how serious he is. In fact, there was one part of Scripture says, when he could not vow a vow, he had to swear it to himself. That he's so serious getting across to you and I that he means what he says. That he says, if I don't come through, then I'm not God. One of the greatest advice that was ever given to my wife and I on parenting, my dad said this one time to us. He said, the greatest thing in parenting is to say what you mean And mean what you say. 
The greatest advice he gave in parenting is, is, is we love and all that, that's great, but the greatest advice was say what you mean and mean what you say. Ultimately, that's what God is. He says what he means and means what he says. And he was so serious about you and I understanding that, that he put in his word that he does not lie. And when he says that, that means that everything he says, he must do. There are no ifs in God's kingdom. If is a simple word. The word that is translated if is used 1,541 times in the Bible. In the word if in, is an English conjunction. It joins two words or two statements together. The definition of the if, though, is dependent upon how it's used. Now listen to this. There are three ifs in the Bible. There's the if of God, the if of Satan, and the if of man. Let's look at the if of God. Now, I know I said starting off there, there is no ifs in God's kingdom. But the if in God is not dependent upon his plan or his, pers- or his, or his purpose, but our obedience. The if of God is not based on if he's going to do something. The if of God is based on, are you going to obey what I've said? Look at the scriptures, 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then while I hear from heaven, forgive them their sin and heal their land. Matthew 7.20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, verily, verily, I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Matthew 18, 19. And again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth, if, it's not about whether or not he's going to do it. The idea is, are you going to obey? You see, the if of God is not about what God's going to do. The if of God is, here's what I'm going to do. Here's all that I'm promising you to do. If you will humble yourself, if you will pray, if you will seek my faith, then here's all I'm going to do. This is my part, but you move first. The if of God is, you move first. I'll do this, but you make the first move. Well, why doesn't God make the first move? That's faith. My faith says I'll move. Even though I don't see it, his word says if I do this, he will do that. My faith says I believe. I haven't seen, but I believe. So I'll make the first move. God said you make one step, I'll make five steps. You make two steps, I'll make ten steps. But you make the first move. What happens if you don't humble yourself? What happens if you don't pray? What happens if you don't seek my face? Then all this stuff that I'm talking about, I can't give you. What happens if you don't have faith? You can't say to the mountain, come out. You can't say to the mountain, be removed. You can pray all you want. You can cry all you want. You can beg all you want. But if, Your move. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall have, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. We love that last part, right? We love that last part. Man, that's a great verse. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done. I can ask anything and it will be done. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where was the if at? If you abide in me. Because you got to understand, if I'm abiding in him, what I'm asking will already be in accordance to his will. You see, we say, if I ask anything, it's going to happen. Because we base that off of my will. What do I want? What do I want to do? But he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ha-ha, there's parameters to that. Because you're going to be linked up with me and my will. And when you pray... What does Romans say? Romans 8. When I'm praying in the spirit, I'm praying the perfect will of God. So when I'm abiding in him and his words are abiding in me, when I ask, I know it's going to happen because I know I'm asking not based on my will, but based on his will. If God's not answering your prayer, you need to see what you're praying. God is a prayer answering God. 
Now, you know, we pray, God, you know, show me your will. Show me what you want to do. Show me, show me how you, 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 you want to, you know, what, what's going to. That's a prayer that very likely is ever going to be prayed, answered. Because you know what? For most of us, there are several reasons for this. But for most of us, if he told us our purpose for our life, we wouldn't believe us. We wouldn't believe. I mean, look at the scriptures. David, a shepherd boy, said going to be king. He didn't really buy into all that at first. He, he tells Moses, go to Egypt. Let my people go. Moses argued with God. Argued with God. There is a bush on fire. Now, I, I'm, I, I will admit, and, you can, and, and uh, there's plenty that will testify to this, but I can be a little hard-headed and a little stubborn. But let me just lay this out here. If I, on my way home today, see a tree that is on fire, but that tree is not burning, and I get out of that, my car and I look, because I am fascinated by this event, and a voice comes out of that tree that says, Joel, take off your shoes. I'm just going to let you know, anything that voice says, I got it. But this is how, and I say this in a kind way, but how messed up Moses was. You got a bush. Now, folks, a bush. I don't know of any other place where God spoke in such a dramatic pyrotechnic. There was no CGI. I mean, this was like, I mean, this was amazing stuff. Get that in your head. A bush on fire. And if you read the area he was in and the place where he was and the bushes that were there, we're not talking about a little shrub that sits by your door. We're talking about a a large plant here that was on fire. That would have been cool enough. But a voice comes out of the bush. And the guy was so messed up that he starts arguing with the voice out of the bush. Think about that. And I love what, and this is not the message, but we're going here just for a second. I love what God, God is so patient. Aren't you glad today God is patient? Because if it was me and I did that kind of, if I showed up in a bush with a fire and a voice and you would have argued with me, I'd have told you, you know what? If you can't believe this, you got to go somewhere else. I mean, this is one of the best I've got. I mean, come on. This is at the top of the list. But he starts arguing. And then I always, I always think, you know, sometimes what you think, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that uh, I like to pick with people. But the problem when you mess with people and you pick with people and you irritate them, there's a fine line. And the trick is you've got to learn where that line is and just got to bump the line every once in a while. But the danger is when you go beyond that line, when you cross that line, now instead of someone joking, now they're mad. You know, every once in a while, I pick with my wife. Just, just pick with her. I know I'm supposed to do different, but I just do it. Just, I guess the Lord's helping me. Pray for me and our marriage. But there are times when I'm picking that I know I should have stopped. Five minutes before, because I went too far. I know I did. I should have stopped. I should have said, you know what, Joe? You should have just left it alone. You went too far. And now I know I'm in trouble. I know I am. We all have done that. We know when we've gone to. I think Moses had that moment. Because here he is with God, right? The bush is on fire. God's speaking out of the bush. He's like, well, you know, I don't know. God says, fine. Put your hand in your bosom. So he puts his hand in his bosom, right? He's like, okay, what are you going to do? He pulls it out, and his hand is covered in leprosy. At that moment, Moses is thinking, I think I might have taken this whole thing a little too far. I should have left it with the bush. That was a great thing. Because now I'm like, e, this is not very good here. I've really, you know, if you're going to make someone mad, I've heard people say before, I think God's mad at me. Let me tell you this. 
If God is ever mad at you, there will not be a question, is God mad at me? <laughs> By asking that question, you are answering yourself, okay? Is God mad at me? I mean, God's a five-year-old girl over there stewing in the corner. I'm so mad at them. They're not. If God is mad at you, trust me, you will know it. Because Moses thought, oh boy, oh boy. And God was so gracious and kind, patient. He said, put your hand back in. He brought it out and it was just beautiful, white, perfect skin. But the amazing thing about Moses, he still didn't even get it. I mean, think about that. And then this is to me, I could live with that. But then he said, Moses, what's your hand? He said, I got, I got, this, I got this staff. I, 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 I've had it for a while. He said, just, just throw it down on the ground, throw it on the ground. And the staff turns into a snake. And now he knows he really has gone too far. But think about that in his mind for a moment. You and I, we beat ourselves up because we just don't jump at everything. We just don't fly. God's dealt with people worse than we are, folks, okay? The devil likes to come along and tell us how bad we are and how we're no this and this. Trust me, God has seen it and has done with it, and his grace is sufficient. God is able to overcome the stubborn in the heart. But you know why God most of the time doesn't answer that great prayer of, God, show me my purpose? Because let's just say, for instance, here you are, right? You're praying, God, save my husband. God, I want you to save my husband. He's lost, and I want you to save him. I, I, God, you've got to save him. And God speaks and says, I'm going to save your husband. Oh, praise God. I'm going to save him in six months. Oh, praise God. And he's going to get saved, and there's going to be a man by the name of John Smith. Your husband's going to get a new job at this company, and John Smith is going to witness to him, and he's going to get saved. And Oh, man, you're just beside yourself. I mean, you're dancing around. You're just speaking in tongues because you're so excited. My husband's going to get saved. And so you get excited. So you get on your little Google machine and you start Googling. I got to find that company. Got to find that company. Call that company up. Can I speak with John Smith? John Smith gets on the phone and you're just, oh, John. Oh, John. John. He's like, who, what, who is this? Well, you don't know me, but you don't know me, but, 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 but I was praying and the Lord gave me a vision and you're going to be the one. You're going to be the one to witness to my husband and click. Because what you don't know is John Smith's not even saved. John Smith's lost. There's going to be someone else that witnessed to him. He's going to get saved, get on fire for God. He's going to turn around and witness to your husband. He's going to get saved. But you get in the big middle of it. Next thing you know, now God's having to get a new plan because you messed up the plan. So you know why God doesn't tell you? Because he doesn't want your fingerprints all over it. So you know why God puts us in certain situations, not in the message, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Do you know why God puts us in certain situations? See, puts us there because most of us are so stubborn and hard-headed. That's the only way he can get us to leave his plan alone. If he needs to, he will bring sickness in your body and lay you flat on your back so that you can't get up so that he can fulfill his purpose. Because if you're healthy, you're going to do it your way. Because his purpose and his plan is so important to him that he is willing to forego your comfort for his plan and his purpose to be fulfilled in your life. And you can fast and you can pray and you can seek God to him to reveal all the deep, dark places that he's going to take you in the amazing place. And he won't do it because he doesn't want you to go there. He wants to take you there. Let's look at the if of Satan. We have the if of God. Let's look at the if of Satan. We know, most of us know the story in Luke chapter 4, the temptation of Christ. Christ comes. He's baptized by John the Baptist. He goes out into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting. And in the, towards the end of that, Satan comes and challenges him. He challenges him three times. He says, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Later on, he says, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. Later on, he says, if thou will fall down and worship me. The if of Satan always challenges God's power, God's authority, 
and God's character. Because he said, if thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. The first if of Satan will always challenge God's power to do something. If thou are the Son of God, get down off that cross. Call the legions of angels down. Rescue all. The voice that comes into you, your life, it says, you know, do you really think God can do that? Do you really think God is able? I mean, come on. I know we live in a modern world. We live in modern thinking. All this crazy, biblical, miracle, off-the-wall crazy stuff. Do you really think God could do that? I mean, I know back then the stories, and you heard the stories, but really there was no Internet, no TV, and all the stuff around. Who knows if those things were really real? They could have just been made up. Do you think God can really do those things. Notice this. When he called out and, and, and that voice called out, if thou be the Son of God, come down off that cross, he knew God wasn't going to do that. The purpose of that wasn't to challenge God. The purpose of that was to sow doubt in the disciples and the believers on the ground. He's been around all, a long time. He knows God is able to do anything. And he knows he can't stop God. So if he can't stop God, the only way he can stop God is to stop you. Because ultimately God has tied himself to working with humans. God has tied his work hand in hand with human beings. So he knows I can't stop him, but I'll try to stop you. So he challenges God's power. Next thing he says, if thou be the Son of God, cast down yourself. He challenges power, but he also challenges authority. Do you really think God expects you to do all that? Do you really think God would really do that? Do you really think God would be, isn't he a God of love? Why would he a God of love expect you to do that? Do you really think that church really should have a say in this and have a say in that? Do you really think that preacher has any business saying anything? Authority. 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 Basically what he's saying, listen, you don't let them run your li their lives and I'll just leave you alone. Because the, the devil's trick is trying to say, listen, I'll stop messing with you. If you just give up, you know, just give up. I'll stop messing with you if you give up. Well, you know what? He does give up. He does, he does stop messing with you. You know what? Prisoners are left alone in their cell 23 hours a day. Prisoners aren't messed with, for some, for 23 hours a day. That's being left alone with. If you want to be left alone with, he'll leave you alone in prison. But his challenge is he knows... The power of authority in your life, of having God's authority in your life. His idea is, listen, don't, you don't have to do all that stuff that, the, that God, you know, I mean, come on, the Bible's written how many years ago? I mean, seriously. They didn't have all our modern thinking and modern understanding and all our modern choices. If, if God knew all this was going to be so hard, he wouldn't have made that book so demanding and he would have just said, everybody that just smiles at least once a day, everybody's going to the same place. What he really expect that everybody has, has got to repent. Everybody's got to, got to be baptized. and Everybody's got to do this. Do you think God really? He's the God of love. He died for the whole world. Challenge, 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 challenge. And the final thing is he wants to challenge God's character. He said, if thou be the son of God, fall down and worship. He wants to challenge God's character because you know what? I can't worship something I don't love, and I can't love something that I don't know the character of. So he challenges God's character because he knows if I can challenge God's character, I can stop your worship. I know I'm teaching today more than I'm preaching, but it's okay anyways. I want to challenge God's character. So what does he say? God doesn't really love you. 
God doesn't really care about you. Why do all bad things happen to good people? That question is an, is, is, an, is an attempt to understand the character of God. If God is so good, why there's evil in the world, right? That's just so, it's the lie he says. If, all, if God is so good, why do good things happen to bad people? Character, character. Because if he can stop your character, he can stop your love for him. If he can stop your love, he can stop your worship. And worship, worship is what gets us into the throne room. And when I get into the throne room with King Jesus, anything is possible. Because you enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. But to get in the throne room, you've got to come with worship. Because worship is not about clapping or waving your hands simply. But worship is about what's happening on the inside. Anybody can walk off the street and we can get them to clap their hands and we can get them to wave their hands and they could be praising. But it takes somebody that knows who Jesus is to step beyond simple praise and get into worship. But what happens when you get in worship, he takes you out of the court and pulls you into the throne room and said, whatever you need, I've got. Come boldly before the throne. Come boldly before the throne. When I get into worship, my faith is elevated. And when I get into worship and I step into the throne room where he is, all of a sudden I realize with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So if I stop your worship, I stop your faith. I'll let you praise all you want. I'll let you do your little dance. I'll let you wave your hand. I'll let you clap. But I want you to stay right there because I don't want you to cross over into worship. Because I know if I can get you praise a little bit, that, that feels good a little bit. But I can't get you into worship. Because if you get in that throne room, I'm in trouble. Because when you step in and you see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end standing before you, and you realize there is no problem in my life that is too great that Jesus... There's some of the problem here. Something that's been a long time since you've worshipped. You say, well, I come to church every week. Yeah, you do. That's fine. That's great. I'm glad for you. But you come and you praise. You can't worship with just simple outside manifestations, demonstrative praise. Worship is something where your heart connects with him. Where there's a connection. And you can't have a connection without a relationship. I can't connect with you unless I know you. But when I get that connection in relationship and it leads me into worship. All of a sudden now I'm in a whole new world of things. Satan said, if you be the son of God, fall down and worship me. Because he wants to steal worship. He wants it to make it into a shallow experience of singing a few songs, clapping our hands and saying, wow, wasn't that great? It, awesome, it is. That's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy praising God. I enjoy singing. I enjoy singing songs that, 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 that okay, let's call it what it is. Makes me feel good, okay? I enjoy doing that. It's like right now, I'm like on a song a week. I don't know, there's some song that hits me and I just can't get it out. And I, I was a couple weeks ago, it was one song and now this week, it's, I don't know, it just hits me. I enjoy that. But if all I ever do is experience that part of it, but I don't step into 
Worship. I don't step into that. So we have the if of God, the if of Satan, and finally, we have the if of man. The if of man almost always is a question. If. Luke 5, 12 says this, And it came to pass when a certain... When he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, If thou wilt, thou canst make me whole. We usually ask if, if we're afraid of being disappointed. He says, If thou wilt. If you go through our scripture, one of the things that Jesus did the most was he healed leprosy. A lot of it. This guy obviously would have known something like this, but he comes to him, if thou wilt. Because it comes from disappointment. It comes out of our fact that we really don't want to be let down again. But most of the time, the word if is connected to the will of God. You know, if it's your will, Lord, if it's what you will, if this is what you really want, if, if, if. Because there's a difference between us believing the will of God, but the believing in the willingness of God to do his will in us. There's a difference between me talking about the fact God is good, God is great, God is awesome when it comes to your problems. I mean, Brother Carol, man, I know you got problems, brother. God can do anything. He's awesome. You're sick in your body. God's a healer. I'm telling you what right now. He is amazing. You just pray. Keep believing, brother. Hold on. You keep speaking faith. You bind that doubt. God's going to see you through, man. You can, woo! All of a sudden now I'm sick. I've got problems. Oh, God, I've been praying for three days and you haven't done nothing. Oh, God. God, why are you so mad at me? I've been praying for three days. Wait a second. It's one thing to talk about God when there's nothing that costs you. It's easy to talk about God is able when it doesn't cost you anything. Because you know what? God doesn't come through. You know, I'm still okay. You're the one that's going to have to figure it all out. Good luck. Right? I can talk all I want. Woo! God's a healer. When you're sick, because if you don't get healed, hey, I'm okay. But when it pertains to me now, there's a whole new ball game. Whole new ball game. I will say this. Most of you know this. My mother just came, recently came through an extended battle of breast cancer. And I will, I will say this truthfully. And she, it might have been, she might have done it behind closed doors and, and so be it. But during that whole period of time, I never heard her speak one word of doubt. Not even one. Not one. I'm not there. I would love to be there one day. I'm not there. Because you know what? It's one thing for me to tell you that God's good. But it's a whole other thing when I have to experience is God good. It's one thing for me to talk about he's a healer. But it's another thing for me to need the healer. It's one thing to talk about he's a savior, but it's another thing when you need saving. It's a whole of the world to talk about he's a deliverer until you need a deliverer. Because most of us don't struggle with the fact that God can do anything. We struggle with the fact can he do anything through us, for us, and in us. And most of that doesn't come with the fact of how we view God. It comes to how we view ourselves. That's a whole other subject for a whole other day. We know God is able. We know God is able. We believe that. We just have a hard time believing He can do it for just little old us. 
They brought a boy to Jesus, Mark chapter 9. He was possessed by spirit. In fact, the disciples had actually prayed for him and nothing had happened. And they brought him to Jesus and his father was very discouraged. The Bible says in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, it says, And oft times it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe. Notice what Jesus did there. The first if was putting the emphasis on God. But when Jesus spoke, he turned the if and put the emphasis on the man. The first emphasis was, God, if you will, have compassion, heal us. That way, if you don't heal us, I have somebody to blame. You know, most of the time, and this is a whole, well, this, this is free for a minute, okay? You know, most of the time why we do that to God it's because we really want to blame him because we don't want to take the blame. We want someone to blame because we don't want to change. God can't be doing this because God's this and God's that and God's not doing it. When we're the one that need to change. And he says, if thou will, can you make me whole? Please have mercy on us. And Jesus turned around and says, if you just believe. If you just believe. Jesus changed the if of his life. Jesus changed the if from simply it being about what God does and being about what are you going to do first. Because you see, there was a woman in the Bible that was sick. In fact, the Bible says she has spent all the money she had until she was totally broke and had nowhere else to go. And Jesus was coming through her town. And she said this word, if I touch the hem of his garment. Not if he comes by my way. Not if he stops by. Not if he sees me and he has compassion on me. Not if I sit here and he in some kind of special ability knows I'm here and he's sick and he's going to find me. If, 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 if. But if I can touch him. If I can move first. If I can make that first step. If I can just touch him. I know I will be made whole. Why? Because I know he can do it. I know he can do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. I know he's a healer. I know he's a savior. I know he's a deliverer. I know he's a way maker. I know he can pick me up and turn me around and put my feet. I know God's able to do that so what do I got to do if I can bridge the gap with my faith to get where I'm at to take that first step if I can take the first step I know he's going to take the rest but it's got to come down to somebody in this room that you're not waiting for God but God is waiting for you you're sitting back saying if God will do this if God will open the door I'll step through it you know if God will start blessing me I'll start giving no start giving and then God blesses You know, if God will give me a better job, I'll go out and do more Bible studies and give more time to the church. No, go get more Bible studies. And then God says, because you made that first step, I'll make a way so that you can do this. It's the if. It comes down to the if. What are you going to do about changing the if of your life? Are you going to sit there and say, well, if God really wants me to be used, he's going to come down. He's going to give me this. He's going to give me that. If he really wants it. No, 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 no. What are you going to do about the if? You know what? If I stay here, I'm not going to do anything. But if I, if I, my favorite if story in the Bible is in 2 Kings, where the four lepers were sitting outside the gate of the city. This is my favorite if story, because the city was done, smoke done. I mean, just toast. I mean, they're killing babies and eating them. They're killing all. I mean, it's just bad in the city. But our problem is, the army of Syria 
is camped on the outside, not too far down the road, and they're the most powerful army in the world at the time, so that's not good. But I love this. They look at each other after sitting there for a while. Their stomachs are hungry. They know that time is ticking, and they said, listen, if we stay here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, there's really nothing there for us to go into. Anyways, they're in there killing babies and animals and all that stuff because they got nothing else to eat. So that's a bad. If we go to the camp of Syria, they might kill us, but we're going to die anyways. But if we go, there may be a possibility that something could transpire from here to there. We've got nothing to lose. That's where some of you are in here. You're at the end of the if of your life. If you stay where you are, you're going to die. If you go back to where you came from, there's nothing to go back for. And you look out into the army of your future and say, well, it looks like a big army. But let me tell you this. If you go, you might die. But you're dying anyways. If you go back, there's nothing to go back to. So why don't you change the if of your life instead of sitting around saying, well, you know what? Hey. Hey, come here, brother leper. Come here, brother leper. I need. Come here, Mike. Come here, Mike. We got four little leper. We're gonna sit on our little. I mean, you got you got toes falling off and and noses, and we stink and we're just nasty. And so we we're dying. I mean, God doesn't God know we're dying, man. We've been sitting here. How many days are sitting here? No food, nothing. A long time. You know what? Let's get the. Let's start praying. We're just gonna start praying. Who are we gonna pray until God does something? We're just gonna sit here and do nothing and pray. Until God does something, because he's just going to have to come do it. There it is right there. We need a out. So we're just going to sit here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. But we're not going to do anything about it. And you know what? If they'd have sat there and prayed, they'd have sat there and died. Thank you, my brother lepers. Don't you think prayer works? Absolutely prayer works. You don't think they're going to sit there and pray? No. Because the Bible says faith without works is dead. So if you want to live, act like somebody that wants to live. Because you know what? You can stay here and pray and say, God, I want to live while you're acting like a dead person. But if you say, God, I want to live, why don't you start acting like you want to live? So I imagine God sitting back watching this whole thing transpire. He's watching this whole conversation and he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. Why didn't God show up? No, no, no. He's waiting. And the moment they decided to put action with their faith, God jumped out of his seat and said, finally, we've got something to work with. And he said, hey, Gabe, hey, Mike, bring some more people. And he said, let's all stand right here. Ready? Let's all start. And they started bouncing on the floor of heaven. And when the Syrian army was sitting around having coffee, they looked around and said, what's all that noise that's coming our direction? They get off and they leave. When the four dead lepers show up at the camp, they've got coffee and biscuits and eggs already made for them. Why? All they did was change the if. They changed the if of their life. The if became not what God will do, but the if will be if I can give some action. I know God. The problem is not God doing his part. The problem is, are you going to do what God wants you to do in your part? If you take a step, God says, that's what I've been waiting for. If you do one step, hey. Trish, come. Hey, 
Somewhere along the line, the prodigal son changed his if. He could have sat in that pit and said, if my dad loved me, if my dad cared about me, if my brother loved me, if all my friends loved me, they'd come and find me here and drag me out and they'd love me and they'd care about me. If the church really was a good church, they'd come in this pit and they'd get me out of here because I'm just lost. But no, he changed the if. He said, listen, I've got nothing to do. I can go home and, and and, and, and probably just be a servant. But if I get out of here, something could change. And when the if caused him to make a few steps, old daddy was sitting on the porch, porch and looked up and saw his son. And he said, I've been waiting for your if to change for a long time. Because all he did was wait for that few steps. And all of a sudden he took off running because he said, if you will make that one step, that's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to do five and six and ten steps. Just give me something to work with. If. Stand with me today. Change the if. Change the if of your life. Stop waiting for God to show up with a booming light and a great voice. Because you know what? Unfortunately, we laughed about it in the beginning. But I'm not really sure, Brother Mont, Brother Big Lee, Brother Evans, if, if I'd be much different than Moses today. I'm a little worried that I'd be like, well, God, you know, if you're really serious about me being used of you, you know, you'd, you'd, here's what I want you to do. We're going to put God to the test, right? You know, God, you know, if you really want me to go over and pray for that person, if this is really you talking to me, I want you to have someone come up to my left shoulder, tap me three times, then rub me on my back, and I want you to say to them, God bless you. When they say that, I know it's you, God. I'm going to know that's you telling me to go pray for that person. God, if you really cared about me, if you really want me to be healed today, I'm, 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 I want the preacher to come by me. And I want him to say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And when I, he says that, God, I know you're listening to my prayer and that you're going to heal me and today's going to be my day. How many times have you tried that trick and it didn't, and it worked? Trust me, I tried it quite a bit. Maybe you have a secret. It doesn't work. I mean, I've even gone to the, I mean, I pulled out the big guns. I mean, I, I did, a, did a word search. Okay, how many times did someone ask God? I mean, I'm reading scripture to him. Okay, God, look right here. You see this? You said nothing, crickets, zero, no noise. Because you know what I found out? You know what I was doing there? I wanted God to make the first move. He made the first move, folks. He went to a cross. He made the opening move. It was called the cross. That was his opening move. The cross and Calvary and the resurrection was his opening move. He did his opening move. Now what are you going to do? He did his opening move. He gave you his spirit. Now, what are you going to do? There's so many people in this room today. You're frustrated. You're needing something for God. You have so much potential. Man, this room is filled with such greatness. And I mean that sincerely. I don't mean that just because you're here and I have to say that. I mean that. I look across this room and I see men and women of God who are called by God to do things. But I see some people that are sitting back waiting Okay, God, when you're ready, you just tap me on the shoulder. I'm ready to go. When, when, when you're ready, to, when, you, when, you're, when, when everything's ready to go. If I ever get everything straight in my life, the way it needs to be, I'm going to give myself to God. If, 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 if. But what about today? If you say, God, by your grace, I want to change the if of my life. Where it's not just about if you do something, but if I make a move, then I know you will. If I make the move, I know you're able. If I make the move, your promises said you cannot lie. Your promises are yea and so be it. Sealed. Done. 
guaranteed, if I make the move, you will. Not if I sit back and pray enough, get repented enough, become a good enough person, holy enough, that you'll do it. That's not prayer or faith, that's manipulation. But it's God, I know if I make that first step, you're a faithful God. Faithful God. Faithful God. Faithful God. But here's this. By making that step, change does not guarantee instantaneous results. You notice that the four lepers didn't know the miracle had happened until they had completed the journey. We want to make that first step and have someone come chasing out of the camp of Syria. Syria. Hey, hey, keep coming. Keep coming. We're all gone. Notice, they didn't know if they were going to live or die until they got to the end of their journey. The first step of if is not the completion, but the start. So let me put that little disclaimer in here. Don't manipulate God. Well, that's all I got to do is just one step. Okay, all right, God, what are you going to do? No, 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 no. The first step of it is I'm going to start this journey and finish it because I know when I finish it, he will be faithful. It's not that I'm going to start this journey and all of a sudden now I'm going to be having people chasing me down, giving me food, saying, well, you just were so faithful. You stood up and started walking and God saw that and here it is. No, no, no. The miracle doesn't happen until the journey is complete. I don't know if that's a day. I don't know how long it took them to walk out there. If it took them a couple of hours, a couple of minutes, I don't know. I know they didn't get a shuttle. They had to walk. So the if is a start. The if is I'm, I'm moving God towards you. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not going to sit back in passivity. I'm changing my if from passive to active and I'm starting when the journey ends God I don't know if that's going to be today tomorrow next week next month I don't know when it's going to be but the if in my life says if I complete it you're faithful if I complete it there's a miracle waiting if I complete it your word said you can't lie so I ask you today if you're struggling with the if of your life if God to say, if this, if that. I'm going to ask you today to make a fresh declaration. I'm not guaranteeing you anything other than what the Word of God promises. But I want to know if anybody today would be willing just to come down in a minute, stand here as a sign of faith to say, God, I'm changing the if. I'm not waiting for you to move. I'm moving forward and I'm, I'm starting today the start and I will finish what you've started in me completely, God. I won't stop halfway along the journey, but Lord, if I can grab a hold of you, I know you are faithful. Notice she said, if I can touch him, I'll be whole. But that didn't mean the obstacles got out of the way. She had to push her way through crowds. She had to knock people over. She had to get through all kinds of stuff until she got to the completion of what she stated. Come on, I know there's some more people that need to make a declaration, a fresh start. Say, God, I've been waiting for you, but Lord, I know you've been waiting for me. Come on, Lord, I, I, I know. I know you've been waiting for me. I, I've been waiting for you, but really, Lord, I, I realize today that you've talked to my spirit and you're really waiting for me. Come on, come down and tell them that. Say, God, I realize today you're actually waiting for me. You're waiting for me to make that first move. You're, you're waiting for me to make that first step. And God, here I am. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do it. But I'm making a declaration of faith today. I'm making that first step. Where you go, where it leads me, between you. Before you begin to pray, let me say this. The Lord spoke this to me last night in prayer. As I was studying, the Lord spoke this. I put this, it's the last thing, it's the last thing I have written down in my notes. The Lord spoke this to me. I was actually on my way home. I had, we had gone out and got some food. I was on my way home 
with my family. And the Lord spoke this to me. And I got home and I walked the stairs. My wife was asking me something. I said, wait a minute. I got to write something down. The Lord just spoke to me. This is what the Lord says to me. Your attitude will determine your breakthrough. And he said, there are people there today that their attitude is aborting their breakthrough. That's the word he used. Your attitude is aborting your breakthrough. I don't know who that's for. Could be for me for all I know. But your attitude is aborting your breakthrough. So as you declare a fresh start, say, God, forgive me for my attitude, Lord, and allow my attitude to become centered around you and your way and know that you are good. Can we do that right now? Can you lift your hands, those of you down here? Let's begin to talk to God in your own way, however you feel, however you feel. I don't, I'm not putting words in your mouth. You pray. Come on, you and God figure this out. You and God talk about this. It's between you and Him. It's a you and Him thing. Talk to Him. Say, God, I, I don't know where to go from here, but I want you to know I'm declaring today. I'm making the first move. I'm making the first move. I'm stepping out, Lord. I want to put action to some faith. I want to put action to faith today. Not just wait back in a passive mentality, waiting for you to make the move. But God, here I am. Here I am. I want to seek you. I want to find you. I want to seek you and find you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. God, forgive me for my attitude that's aborted the things that you've tried to do in my life. Forgive me for the attitude I've had that has aborted things in my life that you were trying to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, let fresh faith rise in this place right now. Let fresh faith, fresh fire, fresh action move among your people today, God. Break us from our chains of passivity. Break us from our chains of complacency. God, let a fire be birthed in us today, God. We know that you are faithful. We know that you are faithful. You are a faithful God. Yeah. Come on, there's some things that God has been dealing with some of you about. He's been dealing with you doing, but your response is, God, I don't know if I'm able. I don't know if I can do that. God, if you would do this, then I'd be able to do it. And God said, if you would just step out in faith, I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. Oh, set a fire in our soul today. Oh, Jesus. Change the if of our life. Change the if of our life. Change the if inside me today. Change the if. Change the if of me, God. Change the if inside me, God. Yeah. I can't contain. Oh, I want more. We've got to have more of you, Jesus. We've got to have more of you, Jesus. Set a fire. I can't control. I want more of you, God. And I want more. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. That I can't control. And I want more. I want more of you. Set a fire. make that your prayer I want more of you I want more of you I want more of you Lord oh set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain that I can't control I want more of you I want more set a fire 
are still praying, I continue to pray if you need to go. God bless you. But those of you that are still praying, pray. Find God. Seek him. Let him change the if in you today. Oh, set a fire. Down in 